0: Well, good morning Greenwich and welcome to the Friday, September 17th edition of the Basement Academy. As always, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to pray together and to think together about life as we wrestle through uh, the issues of the day, particularly with critical race theory, but more importantly, justice and injustice in our world and in our society. Uh, Hopefully these uh, comments, even today, are going to strengthen us and help us. So I'm gonna invite you to listen all the way to the end because where we land today is where we're gonna pick up. It's gonna really set us up for uh, next week. Okay, let's start with the morning Psalm, kind of a hard one. Psalm 137, the context is the Babylonian exile. You're gonna hear that. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, Happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us. He who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Mm. What a way to end the prayer, huh? This is one of the hardest psalms, one of the hardest prayers in the Psalter to offer. It it seems to drip with hatred and, and contempt but it's in the context of what has happened. This Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem, this Babylonian destruction of the temple, um, the, the mocking, sing us one of the songs of Zion. You love to sing your songs, take your harp and sing. And so uh, the anguish, the, the pain of separation, of being in exile, being separated from one's homeland, and so I think it, this may set an interesting backdrop to where we're gonna end our reflection uh, this morning. Okay, this has been a little bit of a mixed week. You know, some civics lessons uh, tucked in the middle there um, a couple days ago. Trying to wrestle with these dynamics of being the people of God being American citizens, so it's our society. And it's important to note that critical race theory seems to be a uniquely or certainly predominantly American phenomenon. This teaching, this understanding is not quite a global phenomenon yet, because it's, it's really set in the context of the white uh, versus black. Uh, history, slavery in in particular in America and that's an unavoidable history and so we don't run from that or or shy away from that part of our story so critical race theory is trying to at least on paper bring about a more just society, more equitable society particularly for those of color, particularly those uh, of of black skin darker skin who've who've suffered the ignomy of of slavery. Okay. So I asked yesterday when we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what are we thinking? And and hopefully we think something, but but you know, a lot of times I, I suggested we probably say the prayer. It's so familiar we kind of just check out as we're mumbling the words. And so hopefully I want to lift that petition up. And I offered that when we pray thy kingdom come, we are not asking God to make America into the church. I think a lot of us kind of, not so much by design, but by default, think that way. We want our society to be more reflective of the values of the kingdom of God, values that we find in scripture. And that's not a bad thing, okay? So I'm not, I don't want to be scoldy uh, or, or condescending, but I do not believe that is what Jesus had in mind. <laughs> of course, he offers it to his first disciples there in Palestine, which is a backwater province of the Roman, the sprawling and very cruel Roman Empire. Again, mentioned this last week, we'll pick this up again next week. Where in Scripture do we find instructions, particularly the New Testament? Where do we find Jesus or the apostles giving instructions for us to speak out against the empire, the Roman empire, the state? Okay, We, we don't find that. It's just not there. But we do find this language, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So against the earthly kingdom of Rome, against these earthly realms, we're praying for the kingdom of God to come. But it's not that America would be made into the church. It is to establish the church on earth, the the church which is the focus and locus of God's attention and favor, the church to increase in all nations. I've talked in the past about the Great Commission, go to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. This Great Commission, the, the call for God's people to go and to proclaim Christ to all peoples. And so the kingdom of God is found In the church. This is a petition for the church to increase, to be established, to be planted on earth as it is in heaven, for for the name of Jesus to be honored and revered among all people on earth as it is in, in heaven. And so the church of Jesus Christ is a kingdom that transcends all earthly kingdoms. It contains um, members, as it were, from all geopolitical nations and states, all tribes and, and languages. The Church of Jesus Christ stands apart from all of these earthly societies, earthly kingdoms. And so the Church of Jesus Christ has people in it, from nations that find themselves at war with each other. But, so, let's go back to the Cold War. There are American Christians and there are Russian Christians. Put differently, there are Christians who are American and there are Christians who are Russian. There is a unity, there's something that's shared by the bond in Christ that transcends the tension and, and um, animosity and hostility between the nations of which these Christian Americans and Christian Russians um, are, are, are a part. So, so which is the primary identity? That's where we get fiddled up. That we sometimes think of our national identity as over and above our Christian identity. And so when we think thy kingdom come, we're thinking about making our nation in more like the the church. I don't think that's what it is. It's to recognize that the church of Jesus Christ stands as an alternative society to all earthly societies. The Church of Jesus Christ includes individuals from every tribe, from every language, from every people, and every nation. That's the language that we find in Scripture in Revelation chapter 5. We've read this a number of times over the many months. And so this heavenly song that's happening in the throne room. Each of the elders had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Interesting, when we pray, they're somehow joining with these other prayers. And they, the elders, sang a new song. You, this is the lamb who was slain, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God, humans for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God makes through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, he purchases, he buys back, he ransoms, he redeems men and women, boys and girls from every people, every tribe, every language, every nation. That's the kingdom of God. Where the will of God then begins to be done on earth within this alternative society, within this alternative community, there is an acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, not the president, not a political party, not a skin color, not a socioeconomic class, not a gender identity. And so I think Revelation 5 gives us this insight into what's going on. This is, again, from the vantage point of the future. John has this vision of a heavenly throne room, and so there's this worship that's going on and this this song that honors Jesus you have made them to be a kingdom. So all these redeemed people from all the different tribes and nations and languages and skin colors, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom that matters. This is the kingdom that will prevail and they will reign on earth. So no nation is going to reign. Of course, I know that's what, that's really human history. Nations contending with other nations for dominance, economic, uh, political military dominance and so that's what's going on meanwhile god is planting a kingdom that is growing quietly like a little mustard seed right jesus told some of these parables it's kind of the hidden kingdom so while we read the headlines that that are dominated by the news of domestic and international intrigue and 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 tumult and all all that is, you know, characterizes uh, our, our news. Meanwhile, quietly, Christians from every nation are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this kingdom is quietly growing and there are people who are joined together, not by national identity, national affiliation, or skin color, or other human uh, defining character, but joined together by a common faith in the lamb who was slain, in Jesus Christ. And so, if it's not critical race theory to bring about justice in our society and to bring about justice in the world, if it's not critical race theory, then what is it? It is the church. The church of Jesus Christ is God's answer to the injustice, to the division, to the hostility, to the violence, to the cruelty, to the discrimination of our world. That's it. There's got to be more to it than that, right, Don? No. That is plan A, and it has always been plan A, (laughs) From the time of the sin of Adam and Eve and then the consequences of that sin that play out in their own tension and then the the hostility of their son Cain versus his brother Abel. And then as it plays out in the human story, human history, this was always God's plan to birth a new society that would be the answer to the injustice to the division to the sin of the world so that this new society would be joined together by a common unity in jesus christ most of us find our tribal identities we've talked a lot about this sin you know makes us into autonomous beings we become law a law unto ourselves determining right and wrong, good and evil for ourselves. And then we gather into like-minded, now, now granted, multiple like-minded groups, but like-minded groups, what I call tribes, moral tribes, ideological tribes. Um, sometimes those tribes, again, are based on skin color. Sometimes they're based on where you went to college or high school, you know, kind of my team. So NFL has tribalism, right? And so these fans dress in all these tribal colors and they actually sometimes hurl, you know, slurs and epithets and, and rocks and, and harm the other tribe. This is what humans do. We are tribal. God's answer to the tribalism of our world is to fashion a new society that are joined together through a common faith in Jesus Christ. So our unity is in Christ, not a political affiliation, which is just tribalism, right? Blue team, red team, doesn't matter. It's just tribalism. Our unity is in Christ, not our race, not our skin color. Our unity is in Christ, not our socioeconomic status or standing or achievement or class, whether we're rich or poor or middle class or upper middle class, any of that stuff. Our unity is in Christ, not based on our gender. Oh, you're all you men are the same. No, we're not, (laughs) you know, And, and so this is God's answer. It seems so simple. It's, there's got to be more to it than that. We have to. There there has. There's a complexity to human society, and we're we're gonna wrestle through this deliberative process, and we're going to make laws that will bring about justice in the world. No, we won't. At best, we will mitigate the injustice of the world through our various societies that have their mechanisms for ordering their society. And so as much as I went through a civics lesson uh, of sorts uh, earlier in the week, now we're talking about something that is beyond American civics, right? We're talking beyond the Constitution. We're talking beyond the deliberative process that God is doing something that transcends our nation. And so the answer to injustice in the world is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As black and white, as Hispanic and Asian, as every people come to embrace Jesus, that's where we find a justice emerging. And so, The church is a truly just community because it is a justified community. I want to read from Romans chapter 3. Paul's writing in the context of the church at Rome. The backdrop is always in our New Testament is the Jew-Gentile controversy. Okay, God differentiated Abraham and his family so that through Abraham, he's gonna bless all families on the earth. So Abraham, I'm choosing you and setting you apart and I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And so he hedges him about with the uh, Abraham's family because it's later with Moses, but the law, the promises, um, the sign of the covenant, Sabbath, um, you know, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all of that that constituted Israel, that defined Israel as a distinct entity, it set them apart from all others. So God initiates this division within the human family so that he will, through that one family, heal the divisions, okay? And that's what's happening in the New Testament. Jesus breaks down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. We read that in Ephesians. But now here's Romans chapter three, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, okay, we hear that, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. Okay, and so they're, they're foreshadowing, this foreshadowing fulfillment theme that we've talked about. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him, that is Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The words just and justified occur throughout this little passage. And he's talking about all have sinned, not just Gentiles, because see, in the Jewish mindset, it's only the Gentiles that are the sinners. We're the chosen. No, Jew and Gentile alike have sinned. And so he justifies both the same way, apart from the law. Even though the law and prophets testify to this, the law's purpose was not to make us righteous. It was to protect and and, and, and kind of fence in and show a path and be a mirror to show the need for A savior, okay, a law that was a fence, a path, and a mirror. And so the church is the justified community. Those whom God has rightly ordered. A right vertical ordering, as it were, that is, as individuals and then as a community, we are rightly ordered to God. Our sin has been atoned for. God presented him, Jesus, as an atonement, a sacrifice of atonement. And so that rebellion, Adam's rebellion, is put aside, it is forgiven. That rebellion is forgiven, but you must come in. (laughs) Come in through faith in Jesus Christ. You come into this new community. You lay aside the tribalisms. You lay aside the identities, these competing identities, straight straight white men versus black gay female, all of these competing um, identity politics. That's why CRT will always fail. Critical theory will always fail because it divides when God's purpose is to unite to take men and women, boys and girls, so that in Christ there is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no male nor female. There is no slave nor free. Those outward identities, those human identifying markers that we hold on to, that form the basis of our tribalisms, God lays aside through Christ. So we lay them aside so that we don't think of ourselves as straight white men. We think of ourselves as believers in Christ. I don't look at somebody and say, oh, look at your color skin. I see brother, sister, how are you? I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. So that the church is a truly justified community. It has been made just. And so justice begins to prevail. And so may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth. So the kingdom comes through the blood of Jesus Christ and those who embrace Jesus Christ and his will begins to be done. We begin to live according to this new law, the law of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how all men will know that you are my disciples and you belong to this new kingdom, this alternative society. Not by your skin color, not by your um, uh, birth certificate, uh, not by your gender, not by your sex, not by your class, not by your educational attainment, any of those things. All men will know that you are my disciples, that you're part of this community by the love that you have for one another. And, And by the way, I want you to love your enemies too. Show the world that I love Love, I redeem. And so invite others into this new community because the alternative community, the communities of the world will always be at odds. There will always be hostility. There will always be division. There will always be injustice in the human communities of the world. And so Jesus plants a new community, a new society called the church to transcend all of those and then to invite the world into this new society and lay aside their arms (laughs) and their hostility and their anger. So we have justice is known on earth through the church of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean every church is a perfect expression of this? Of course not. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in the church. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. We are the we are the community of the forgiven, so we're the community of the forgiving, right? See how that works? <laughs> There's no other community. CRT has no forgiveness. Critical theory has no forgiveness. If you have somehow said the wrong thing and let a pronoun slip, or uh, treated somebody, or spoken of somebody in some um. Uh, racially insensitive way, you are canceled, you are fired. There is no redemption, there is no forgiveness, there is no hope. That's why it will fail. And thanks be to God that it will fail. (laughs) But we are the community of the forgiven, therefore we are the community of the forgiving. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Help us just to live this day for you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so let us practice the forgiveness that we have received. Let us extend that. And lead us not into temptation. What temptation? Not not to eat too much chocolate cake and drink too much beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The deeper temptation to think in tribal ways. Deliver us from evil. The evil one wants to divide. And so the evil one wants to come and says, you are your skin color. You are your gender. You are your socioeconomic class. You are your fill in the blank. You are your tribe. No, that is the deepest temptation. And so that's why I actually, through this study these last several weeks, I'm coming to think that this critical race theory, this critical theory yeah, I could, the Marxist stuff, and that that's kind of nutty, and it's no good. It's a deeper reality. It may be demonic, and I don't overstate that. It may be demonic. It may be of the devil because it is seeking to divide people who share the same image of God and whom Jesus wants to unify and lay aside all tribal identities. So lead us not into temptation, the temptation to look at people in tribal ways, in human ways. Deliver us from evil, such an evil that divides. That's, I think, what's going on in this Lord's Prayer. It is our Father, so it's the prayer of the community. It's the prayer of the redeemed. It's the, repair, the prayer of the justified to live into these just realities. The tension, of course, is that as Jesus reminds us in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, we are in, but not of the world. We're in the world. I mean, why didn't God just, when when we become saved, why doesn't he just beam us aboard, right? Just, just teleport us to heaven. Oh. That's not the plan. So we always live with this tension of being in the world, but not of the world. So we live in the United States of America as Christians. But my, my primary identity is this new community, which has people in it from every tribe and language and race and nation. And so my, my, the challenge is to think of myself as a Christian first in a community that transcends and a community that is joined together, not by tribal identity or national identity as an American. And so that's the tension. We default into thinking that God wants to make America into the church. No, that is not the plan. He wants to take Americans and Iranians, and Afghanis, and uh, Venezuelans, and Saudi Arabians, and every into this family. So we tend to lean into the politics, and God says, no. So that's the tension we live in, but not of the world, and so we forget that. And so here's where we're going to land. I said at the top of our, our study, we're gonna land with this notion of being exiles and strangers. And this is why Psalm 137 is so important. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. <laughs> by, the, by the rivers of, of Haymarket, <laughs> I sat and wept. This is not my home. America is not my home. Haymarket is not my home. The Commonwealth of Virginia is not my home. I belong somewhere else. My true identity, my true citizenship, my true loyalties and allegiances transcend this world. But I'm always feeling like this is where it is. And that's just something we have to work on. So next week, we'll pick up here with this notion of being exiles. And then how do we seek the peace of the city to which we have been exiled? Okay, so let's close now. And uh, hopefully this has been a helpful Uh, study for you to to clarify some of your thinking. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless us with the truths that we pray about time after time in our Lord's Prayer. And thank you for making us into this kingdom and for justifying us and and for bringing about a true justice, not an identity-based justice, but a Christ and and redeemed-based justice. And so, Father, hear our prayer once again as we make it together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power of and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who has justified you and blessed you through Jesus Christ, may he keep you and renew you in the way you think and see the world around you this day and forevermore. Amen.